1: it's 12.03, Friday afternoon, February 18th, 2022. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us on the Noon Business Hour. I'm Rob Hart. Shares of gambling site DraftKings fall despite a better than expected earnings report. We'll take a closer look in our next segment. But right now, the January report on sales of previously owned homes is out today. And we're also hearing from the president of the St. Louis Fed. We're joined by Bob Brusca, chief economist, fact and opinion economics based in New York. Bob, thanks for joining us today. Before before we tackle uh home sales let's talk about these comments from st louis fed president james bullard uh as uh, the regional fed presidents go uh is he more hawkish or the hawkish of uh, all the people who uh, have uh, uh jay powell's ear
2: uh you know you know i i tend to think of bullard as being um a bit of his own guy He tends to think outside of the box. He tends to be early in a lot of things. He's often uh, not part of a consensus. I wouldn't say that he's a bellwether for the Fed. He's often uh, looking for something different. And so I think it's always interesting to see uh, what he thinks, because in my view, at least, Jim has often been right ahead of the rest of the committee. Uh, But right now, he's looking for these rather substantial increases in interest rates and You know, he thinks the economy is fairly strong, but uh, I'm a little bit more concerned about that and about an aggressive action to raise rates by the Fed. Aggressive actions by the Fed are um, hard to contain and hard to keep from spilling over into recessions.
1: And especially at a time where there seems to be so much uh, pressure on the economy, whether it's uh, international tension, as the you know the ongoing saga between Russia and Ukraine is showing us the impact it's having on the economy, uh, surging gas prices later in the year, or the potential for uh, Omicron to recede and for uh, some of that production capacity to come back. So it sounds like uh, you're trying to play darts with a uh, target that's moving back and forth.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think it's. Uh it's pretty clear that we don't really have a good fix on where the economy is. We don't really have a good fix on what inflation is, although you'll hear Fed members say, oh, you know, inflation looks like it's fine. It's consistent with our long-term 2% view or that inflation expectations are fine. Well, inflation expectations, you know, there are different measures of them. In the University of Michigan report, they look at different spots in this, this distribution of what people think, the optimist, the pessimist, the middle, the medium, the mean. Anyhow, when, when you look at the current uh, inflation expectations, you're looking at the highest inflation expectations people have in, you know, from like six to 12 years. Uh, and I don't consider that stable. So I, I think the Fed is giving us a sort of wishful analysis. People are out there saying things about inflation, trying to keep us thinking that everything is uh, is fine And I think that the evidence is that uh, there's a lot more to worry about. And in fact, the Fed has this view that at the end of the year, inflation is going to be 2.6%. And I don't see how you slow down from where inflation is at the end of last year to 2.6% without a recession. Historically, it's never happened. That kind of a slowdown requires a recession.
1: Well, thanks for joining us this afternoon. Bob Brusca, Chief Economist, Fact and Opinion Economics, based in New York. Coming up next, the betting site DraftKings adjusting its expectations for the year. Information to make cash and save cash. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Shares of DraftKings are down sharply despite an earnings report that topped estimates. Let's learn more from Tuna Amobi, media and entertainment analyst with CFRA based in New York. Thanks for joining us today. Now, DraftKings was kind of a pioneer in this uh, particular uh, sports gambling space. It did beat uh, earnings expectations, but what was the street waiting for?
3: Uh, Good afternoon, Rob. Um, I think what you're seeing today is um, illustrative of the challenges of trying to scale up a business that um, requires heavy marketing and customer acquisition spending. And that's really been, um, you know, the cycle that DraftKings has been navigating since it kind of launched um, few years ago. On the other hand, they've got the uh, tailwinds of the uh, legalization of online sports betting and iGaming, uh, which is catching on across several states. Uh, so today's report, uh, while the top line number was uh, you know, still uh, actually came in uh, in line with expectations, I think the bottom line profitability was really depressed by ratcheted uh, spending as the environment has gotten a lot more Competitive. And if you remember, not too long ago, DraftKings wanted to acquire a major uh, cross border um, um, player in online gaming that's Intane. That deal fell apart. They've got another acquisition to close this quarter, um, all in an attempt to get scale and hopefully turn the corner before too long.
1: Is there some seasonality to uh, how much money DraftKings brings in? I mean, for example, uh, we're just coming off of Super Bowl Sunday, and some of the figures, at least as far as uh, state tax revenue is concerned for uh, sports gambling just on that particular game, is uh, fairly eye-popping. We have the uh, NCAA tournament coming up, and then uh, baseball season's just around the corner, fingers crossed. Um, So does, does DraftKings business kind of ebb and flow based on big sporting events?
3: There's no doubt that they get some major tailwinds from major sporting events, you know whether it's the uh, you know Super Bowl or any other um, you know game. And this is actually not unexpected. What happens though, is that um, that is somewhat counterbalanced by the promotional um, initiative that they have to uh, do around those games. Uh, or events, so net net, um, it doesn't really translate into a major impact on the bottom line. If anything, it actually takes away from that. Uh, but the street is not quibbling so much with the uh, you know the spending on some of those marquee events. It's so much as the scale. Uh, there's some trepidation as to how long it's going to get it uh, take to get to the scale that's going to be needed to sustain a profitable business. Uh, today they provided guidance. That seems to kind of raise the targets they had before. One key data point is they expect to turn profitable by Q4 uh, 23, which is actually on the EBITDA line. Uh, they, they have something called contribution profit. They say 10 states out of 17 that they're currently in are actually already contribution profit. But I don't think the street is impressed uh, with that metric. It's all about when they're going to turn up sustainable uh, EBITDA, free, uh, operating cash flow positive. And we don't think that's, uh, that's at least two and a half years away in our view.
1: And uh, your recommendation for the DraftKings stock, DKNG?
3: We have a whole recommendation right now, um, and actually just dropped our 12-month target uh, to 20 bucks um, just based on the volatility we've seen, the uh, the, guidance, the guidance they've provided in terms of EBITDA loss for this year, which is actually wider than what we expected. So it's, it's a business that's really, uh, in, in what I might say, in kind of ramp-up mode right now.
1: Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Tuna Amobi, media and entertainment analyst at CFRA based in New York. Coming up next, the Fed approves rules banning its officials from owning stocks, bonds, and other assets. And the Federal Reserve has passed rules banning its officials from trading stocks, bonds, and cryptocurrencies. Let's get the reaction now from David Jones, the chairman of DMJ Advisors in Denver and author of the book Understanding Central Banking. David, I'm going to begin with the what may be the reaction from most people people as they're listening. And that is, it wasn't banned already. And uh, why was that the case?
4: You could not have summed it up better. Uh, It's a surprise that, in fact, it had not been banned. Uh, In my view, it's a very important issue. The Fed chairman has only touched on it briefly in his press conferences, but in no circumstances should a member of the Federal Reserve Board of Governors be allowed to trade in stocks that will obviously be affected by the Fed policy actions. Um, It's just something that should never have been tested uh, and certainly should have been ruled out long ago.
1: Is that that the the fact that this wasn't uh, verboten until recently? Is that kind of a vestige from a bygone era where the uh, Fed was uh, a little less uh, active when it came to uh, interest rates and having direct control over how the uh, you know the, the the ups and downs of the stock market? No, exactly. The Fed's become much much more important recently.
4: And earlier, there were always – I worked in the Fed system. There were always stringent reporting uh, requirements with regard to uh, financial holdings. And so I think it was just something that was overlooked. But however the results came out, it just should never have happened that – I think two or three members of the board were, in fact – trading stocks uh they're gone now but uh it was just unacceptable
1: very quickly, let's look back in the history of the Federal Reserve and just the the amount of uh, influence uh, it has over the stock market. I mean, the uh, the the amount of uh, of stimulus it pumped in uh, to the credit markets at the beginning of the uh, COVID financial crisis. That was basically part of a toolbox developed uh, during and after the 2008 financial crisis. You know, what's the But what is the difference between kind of the Fed's actions on the economy at large? Does it differ you know pre two thousand eight and post two thousand eight I'm writing a new book on exactly that subject, so uh, I may take longer than
4: I should. The bottom line is that the Fed has seen a whole new world in terms of its influence, giving free credit to all comers. The Fed had never done this in the past; it started doing it as you noted in the two thousand eight credit crisis and now did it because of fears of de- from the uh, virus um, uh, in the most recent pandemic. So uh, the Fed is in a new light, and um, it's not going to be able to preserve its independence. Um, My argument is the Fed should go back to what it used to be doing, which was not interfering excessively in the markets and certainly not providing free credit for upwards of a decade, which it has done recently.
1: Well, we'll look forward to the book. David Jones, chairman of DMJ Advisors in Denver and author of the book Understanding Central Banking. Still ahead in Entrepreneur Friday, a company that's providing healthy food options to travelers and healthcare workers.
0: I'm Sandra Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. This is Chicago's all-news station. News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. The WBBM
1: noon business hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News radio WBBM, a former suburban Minneapolis police officer, is sentenced in the killing of a black driver during a traffic stop.
0: This is Mike Krauser, an Indiana State Police sergeant, said he wouldn't be surprised if there were more than
1: 100 crashes on I 65 where some people spent the night. Entrepreneur Friday, we meet the head of a Chicago company that's taking food vending to a healthier place. Markets are losing ground today. We'll see where the The Dow Theory stands. WBBM business, the markets are lower. The Dow is down 289 points. The NASDAQ is down 234. The S&P 500 down 47. AccuWeather says mostly sunny and cold. A high today of 30. But uh, thanks to the strong winds, the uh, wind chill will struggle to get out of the teens. We have 22 degrees right now under mostly sunny skies at 1231. Topping our news at the half hour. The former suburban Minneapolis police officer who said she confused Used her handgun with her taser when she caught, shot and killed a black driver, has been sentenced to two years in prison. Kim Potter was convicted in December of first and second degree manslaughter in the April 11th killing of Dante Wright. The sentence falls below the range of six to eight and a half years recommended by state guidelines. The judge cited mitigating factors in issuing a decision. Police in Indiana urging people to avoid traveling on I 65 in the aftermath of yesterday's weather caused traffic disaster.
0: Indiana State Police Sergeant Glenn Fifield says he wouldn't be surprised if there were more than 100 vehicles involved in crashes in the afternoon and overnight. And I understand some people uh, spent the night on I-65 that we were either involved in crashes or stuck behind them. Right, uh, that's
5: that's what I've been uh, told but I, I have been told that and I understand the post has received phone calls stating that
0: most of the crashes occurred along a 50 mile stretch of i-65 south of Lake County
5: we are encouraging everyone to avoid i-65 altogether We're going to be having more weather this afternoon uh, it's treacherous driving so if you if you choose to travel on i-65, There's a really good chance you're going to wind up stranded, stuck in traffic, and it could wind up uh, hours
0: and hours. That's the story from northwest Indiana. It's
1: 1232 as the noon business hour continues. Markets are in the red this Friday afternoon. We're joined by Gary Kultbaum, president of Kultbaum Capital Management and Fox News business contributor based in Orlando. Gary, thanks for joining us today. And uh, every investor now has to look at a map of the border between Russia and Ukraine and know where Kyiv is and Donetsk and all of of the the, the regions that uh, could become uh, war zones before too long. Um, The market activity today, what's happening right now, is this uh, investors trying to reposition themselves in the event an invasion happens over the three-day weekend and markets are closed on Monday?
6: Well, I think it's a lot more than that. It is oil prices at uh, $90.00. It is uh, the massive leverage in the market. It is a central bank that refuses to do anything about inflation except for flapping their gums about what they may do. And then you add in a potential for war and, uh, you know, you get a little toxic cocktail there and you get a day like today. But I really do think that if the market was in good shape, believe it or not, the Russia thing wouldn't hurt the market like it is now. But you have a market that's very fragile because of everything else that's going on. So any excuse
1: to sell, it gets sold. And then when it comes to uh, the inflation discussion, it does sound like, as you say right now, it's all talk, but it does sound like they have a plan and they are getting increasingly aggressive about the pace of interest rates. Is there still that anxiety that uh, the Fed could overdo it and tip the economy into a recession?
6: Well, we will go into recession no matter what they do because of the inflation that, by the way, they cause uh, with nine trillion dollars of printed money uh, into the system. So the fact that they're going to cure it for us, uh, you know, worries the heck out of me. Look, the bottom line is, is that um, they keep telling us what they plan to do, but have done nothing as of today. They're printing more money today and keeping rates at zero today while the consumer is being crushed with higher prices for everything, and it's really starting to affect business too. Take a Starbucks where um, coffee prices have really gone up markedly. Well, they have to raise prices, which hurts them, hurts the consumer, hurts demand. But, of course, Washington, D.C. is mad at Starbucks for taking care of their business. They're saying they're they're the cause of the inflation, but it's the other way around. So uh, until the Fed really gets serious about this, I do worry, and all I can tell you is the cost just in energy prices over the last year takes about 100 to $150 billion out of consumers' pockets, and that is a lot of cake, and that is going to hurt the economy going forward, especially now with the market coming down which will also uh, affect the wealth effect that has been such a help to the economy.
1: And then when it comes to uh, fuel prices, obviously, uh, if Russia does invade Ukraine, uh, you do disrupt uh, uh, the supply of oil coming out of that particular region, and that will have a major worldwide effect. The other, the interesting thing that I saw this morning in the Wall Street Journal was the uh, that U.S. oil producers, despite this uh, massive run-up in prices, they're not going to... Uh, uh, increase output or do more exploration to meet that demand uh, because they were didn't want to, they, they don't want to be they don't want to be caught holding the bag again uh, like they were in April of 2020.
6: Yeah, well, they also don't want to make the president mad. They want to stay on his side. Uh, look, if I was the president today. I would stand in front of the American people and say we are going to amp up oil production to the tune of 2 million barrels a day, and then speculators and traders would sell the heck out of oil, and $90 will head down to $75, and then we'll get relief. The problem is... Uh, the president must appease the green movement, and I guess that's what he believes in. So prices is going to stay elevated and leave no doubt if supply gets constrained because of something that happens in Russia slash Ukraine, uh, prices will go probably into triple digits and nothing good happens if that happens.
1: Thanks for joining us. Gary Kultbaum, president of Kultbaum Capital Management and Fox News Business Contributor based in Orlando, Florida. Find him online at GaryK.com. Coming up next in Entrepreneur Friday, a vending machine that provides fresh and healthy foods. Money conversation that pays a big dividend. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Entrepreneur Friday. A Chicago-based company is building a business providing healthy food on the go. Let's learn about it from Luke Saunders, founder and CEO of Farmer's Fridge, based in Chicago. Luke, thanks for joining us today. And it sounds like your aha moment uh, came from your frustration as a traveling salesman and being unable to find uh, something other than uh, fried stuff on the road.
7: Yeah, that's right. I was uh, traveling a lot for work, driving about 1,000 miles a week, and, and the whole idea for Farmer's Fridge was how do we make fresh, healthy food as accessible as a candy bar?
1: And uh, what was you? You began in 2013, and what were those early days like?
7: Yeah, so we we started with one vending machine um, in downtown Chicago in a food court uh, that doesn't actually exist anymore. Um, and I was chopping lettuce and renting a table in the shared kitchen at Kitchen Chicago um, and and driving the salads down there and talking to customers. And um, since then, we've grown a lot. We have over 200 people working in Chicago. Uh, making salads and we deliver them from coast to coast.
1: And you have uh, 400 fridges now, uh, many in uh, airports and hospitals. So did you hear from a lot of healthcare workers too saying like, look, I need to get something to eat, but I, I cannot go back to the uh, to that rubbery biscuit uh, inside the vending machine?
7: <laughs> yeah, we definitely uh, get a lot of that feedback and, and it's been a really critical component um, during the, the pandemic because we, we had uh, a lot of businesses get shut down and we really leaned into the healthcare workers and um, have expanded our fridge portfolio in healthcare. So it's everything from you know, people who are sick of the rubbery biscuit to, you know, you need something to eat in the middle of the night. Um, or we get a lot of feedback from people there visiting family and things like that. That it's been a really uh, important part of what they're able to eat when they're in hospital.
1: Now, there's a reason why vending machine vending machine food is the way it is is because of the preservatives. You need the stuff has to keep. Uh, salads have a, a far more limited shelf life. So, how do you keep this stuff fresh?
7: Yeah, well, I mean, the idea was you know 100 million people a day were visiting a vending machine pre-COVID. Um, So clearly, it's convenient. People are familiar with the format. But to your point, how do you get fresh food in there? Uh, It's actually pretty simple in the sense that we just we make the food fresh every day. uh, And we deliver it through our own refrigerated trucks. Um, So every single night, there's farmers, fridge drivers out there um, filling the fridges so that when you get there the next day, the food is as fresh as possible. But we don't use any preservatives or anything like that. We just Focus on high quality ingredients and getting it to customers faster.
1: And uh, the, the, uh, you've you've branched into uh, home delivery during the pandemic. Uh, you know what, what's your what's the, what's the Farmers' Fridge home delivery customer profile? You know
7: it really is just uh, everybody who is busy and um, wants a healthy meal at home. And so we ship to forty two states now. Um, we made that shift as part of our response to the the pandemic's impact on our business. Um, and we hear from everybody, from from parents that are looking for options when they are too busy to, to get up from their desk and, and working from home with kids there, um, to people who just live in places where there's not as many healthy options and they're looking to find ways to get more healthy food into their lives.
1: And then, lastly, uh, you know, very quickly, uh, what's it like uh, getting all of your produce these days in an era of uh, of uh, maybe there may not be nearly as many truck drivers as there were before, and fuel prices are higher. Uh, has that been a struggle, or have you been able to maintain or man- able to manage that?
7: Uh, we have been able to manage it. We have an incredible operations team that um, has been doing backflips to make sure that we have everything that we need, and, and we have a pretty diverse basket. So we have 150 ingredients that we manage. Uh, in our kitchen, and and we're able to substitute things. So um, when we see that a certain lettuce might be harder to get, we can switch to a different lettuce. Um, But that flexibility has been built into the model, and it's really helped us throughout this. But, yes, it it has been a a huge challenge for them, especially on top of everything else.
1: Luke Saunders, founder and CEO of Farmer's Fridge in Chicago, thanks for joining us on Entrepreneur Friday. Still to come an update on where the Dow Theory sees the markets. (laughs) The Best Daily Deal in Chicago, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Stocks are down on this final day of the trading week. Let's get a check of where the the time-tested Dow Theory sees the market heading. We welcome in Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast Newsletter, based in Hammond. Chuck, thanks for joining us today. And uh, for the longest time, uh, for for many years now in which uh, we've had these conversations, you've said the, uh, except with the exception of 2020, you've said the. Dow is always the Dow theory is always pointed in a bullish direction, but there was a threshold, and we're getting very close to that. Um, It it must hold above thirty four thousand twenty two at the close today to maintain that bullish direction. Right now, we're at thirty four thousand one hundred eighteen, so we're dancing on that line between bullish and bearish. Yeah, we have
5: been, and and actually, you know, we've been dancing on that line for. About three or four weeks, if you recall, going back, I don't know, is it three weeks now, we had that one Monday when the, the Dow was down 1,100 points intraday and clearly below that level, and yet it fought back and actually was up that day. And And that's why the Dow theory works on closes. In other words, you have to have a close below that 34,022.04, which, by the way, isn't some <laughs> number that I pulled out of my head. It's, it's the previous significant low in the Dow Jones Industrial Average closing low. It's the December 1st low. So basically, you know, the Dow Theory kind of works on, uh, you know, higher highs uh, creating a bull market and and lower lows creating a bear market. And we had uh, an important low in the Dow Jones Transportation Average. Uh, The Dow Industrials just haven't confirmed that yet, which is very important that you have confirmation in order to signal a trend change. So that's why that point, again, 34,022.04, it is so important from a Dow Theory perspective. And as you said, we've we've been dancing around it today. We've been below a little bit on intraday. We're now above it. Uh, we'll have to see how things pan out this afternoon.
1: Will the three-day weekend play into uh, what investors do in the uh, next couple of hours uh, trying to uh, reposition themselves or sell in advance of a uh, potential Russian invasion of Ukraine between now and Monday?
5: It very well could be, although we may have, you know, the, the thing that's hard to tell is we may have already seen that here with the market weakness that we've had in in the in the last few previous days. So, you know, was that positioning starting on uh, yesterday, for example, um, to avoid having to do it today? Uh, that's why I, you know, going into today, I really was looking at today being a pretty key day for for the Dow Theory and and the industrials because. Of what you alluded to, the fact that we're, we're you know the markets are closed on Monday, so our traders is going to be comfortable carrying positions through the weekend uh, and through Monday. So basically, three days uh, during the uncertainty that we have surrounding uh, you know the Ukraine Russia issue. My feeling was, boy, if the industrials could just hang in there today, hold that low, and then we'll see how things do on Tuesday based on the news over the weekend. So that it's a pretty It's a pretty important day from a Dow Theory perspective, and we'll see how it unfolds here.
1: Thanks for joining us, Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services, publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast newsletter based in Hammond. The markets are closed on Monday, but the WDBBM Noon Business Hour is open, so uh, we'll be here bright and early, 12.03 in the afternoon, we hope to see you too.
0: We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio.